This podcast is sponsored by the FG Barnes Group, with showrooms in Canterbury and Maidstone, offering a range of new and approved used cars, including MG, Seat and Vauxhall. Kent Online News. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast. Nicola Everett. Hello, hope you're okay and had a good weekend. Thanks ever so much for downloading today's podcast. It's Monday, November the 28th. Coming up, we've got news on what could be Kent's first surf resort. Plus, you can hear from the man who went on a rant about Sheerness and the Gillingham manager speaks after their second round FA Cup game. But first today, a suspected drink driver has been arrested after a woman was killed in a crash on the M2. It happened on the London-bound stretch between Fab and Sittingbourne early yesterday morning. Police have told the Kent Online podcast a Nissan Qashqai collided with a Mercedes-Benz. The driver of the Nissan was a woman in her 50s who died. A 40-year-old man is also being questioned on suspicion of causing death by dangerous driving. Next today, and public health officials are worried that asylum seekers with suspected diphtheria are being moved from a processing centre in Kent to hotels without adequate screening. It's emerged a man who died after spending time at the Manston site last weekend had the highly contagious disease. We're expecting confirmation later that the number of infections is now at 50. Well, first today, let's hear from Claire Mosley. She's from the refugee charity for Calais. When we first heard about this first outbreak and when this gentleman died, we were told that it wasn't diphtheria. Um, we were told that it had been fixed and then we find out that it hasn't been. So it's hard to know what to think. The situation in hotels around the country is awful and has been for a long time. We work in 150 of those hotels and for the last two years we've seen issue after issue after issue from simple things like problems with the food to more complex problems with people not being able to see doctors having mental health problems, overcrowding, families who don't have space for their children. It goes on and on and on. There are so many problems in those hotels because that's not what they're made for. They are not made for long-term accommodation for refugees. And the, the issue to me is simple. Process the claims, let them get on with their lives. They can move out into communities. They can get jobs. That's that's the best thing for everyone. It's good for our country. We've got worker shortages. It's better for those people. We don't want these costs. Everyone keeps talking about the cost of having people in hotels, £5 million a day. If just a fraction of that was invested into home office workers and case workers to process their claims, it doesn't need to happen. Um, that's why it seems so obvious to me that something can and should be done and what should be done is let them move on with their lives, take away that cost. Now, a cabinet minister has insisted the public's at extremely low risk from diphtheria, but what exactly is it? Well, here's GP Dr David Lloyd. Diphtheria is a, is a really horrid disease. I've never seen a case. I don't think any in my generation really have, but I remember my father talking about it. it, it you get a huge white membrane going over the back of the throat, which means you can't breathe and sometimes you need to have a tube put in. You also have a very swollen neck. They call it a bull neck. Uh, and you're very, very ill. And, uh, and unless you get treatment very quickly, uh, it can be a very deadly disease. There is a, small, there is a minor variant where people who are exposed for it for a long time uh, get a skin condition too and horrible rotten skin ulcers. So yes, it's a horrible disease. We haven't had it really in any quantities since the 1940s when we started vaccinating. So I guess the key thing is do make sure all your children are up to date with their vaccinations. You need five to five lots of vaccinations to keep diphtheria at bay. But this is a very hot political issue. And so I, you're asking me, I'm afraid for medical things. Uh, so I don't dare say one way or the other, but 
uh, some sides of this argument are saying that we're suddenly inundated with uh, with diphtheria. Others are saying that there's very little. But we all travel thousands of miles every year, this, uh, uh, and so we all have a chance of, of bringing this, this disease back from countries that don't vaccinate against diphtheria. Elsewhere, more than 50 Conservative MPs are urging the Prime Minister to change modern slavery laws to try and reduce the number of people crossing the Channel in small boats. They want Rishi Sunak to make it easier for those making false claims to be returned to their home countries. It'll specifically tackle people coming from Albania who say they're victims of trafficking and modern slavery. Kent Online News. Some other top stories for you now and a Tenterden shop owner says she feels the town has been abandoned by the police. Emma Pimfold has lost hundreds of thousands of pounds worth of stock in recent years following a series of break-ins. She says it's not just difficult financially, but also takes a toll emotionally. She's been speaking to our reporter, Alex G. So here has been targeted three times in the last two years. Um, and obviously my store in East Sussex has done as well. But um, So you're looking at every six months for an overnight robbery. Um, and then shoplifting probably monthly. Um, yeah, so that's where we're at. And obviously every break-in comes at a huge cost. I don't own the stock. I then have to pay the customer for the stock. You know, of course I have insurance, but that's <laughs> continuing to go up because of the situation. And um, with this last burglary, I couldn't have done any more. You know, I did everything that I was advised to do by the police and by the insurance company in terms of locking it away, security, cameras, alarms. But they just came with all the relevant things that they needed to break into the relevant areas. And just three and a half minutes they were here, which is a long time with alarms going off. And um, I mean, for you as a, as, as a shop owner, I mean, it, it must it, it must be incredibly tough to to try and persevere in a, in a town, town where you've been hit so many times. That's, the, that's probably the hardest bit. It's mm. picking yourself up again and going again. It's, it's tough. It's really, really tough, I have to say. It's tough emotionally and it's tough on financially and you know, it's tough on my staff. You know, we all, we're a small business. We all care very much about each other and the product. And, you know, it's, it's really, really tough. What do you think the answer is in terms of um, preventing things like this from happening in the future? So to prevent these sorts of things happening in the future, what I'd really like to see um, is more support, really. Um, I would like to see, you know, there's obviously a resourcing issue here. You know, there, there isn't a police presence in the town. And as I've said before, I'm not here to tell the police they aren't doing a good job. Um, that's not what the point is here. It's, it's a resource issue. Um, and that certainly needs to be addressed because crime is extremely high intensity at the moment. And it's a small medieval market town and it's being constantly targeted. And it's a big worry. And I think something really needs to be done about it. Um, I mean, you, you obviously spoke of it not being the, the fault of the police, and um, I, I think that's that's been, been made quite clear that it's a resource issue and that things need to be done. But does it make you feel that Tenston's been abandoned a bit? Yeah, I do feel Tenston has been um, abandoned, uh, especially with what's been going on. Um, we did have an instance where we made a 999 call um, and the police didn't attend um, or follow it up. Um, for quite some time. I think it was a, a good few weeks before we heard anything back. Um, and yeah, that, that is a, a, a good, you know, yeah, I do feel that, absolutely. 
Now, police have told the Kent Online podcast Tenterden remains a safe town and officers do frequent patrols of the town. They add they won't tolerate offenders causing misery for innocent victims. A former tattoo studio in Canterbury where a murder-suicide took place has gone on the market. Mum of one, Ramona Stoyer, was killed by her husband who then took his own life at Gothink in April. The building on Lower Bridge Street has been made available for rent. A Kent bus company says its driver was sticking to the law after refusing to allow a woman in a mobility scooter to get on board. The 54-year-old was travelling from Dartford to Maidstone and tried to use a new venture service. The company have told us they welcome wheelchair users, but mobility scooters are much heavier and not covered by equality legislation. A care home in Gravesend has been rated inadequate following a visit by the health watchdog. Concerns were previously raised about the Hollies in June, and inspectors say while improvements have been made, There are still some worrying issues around residents' safety. Bosses say they're disappointed with the report and insist changes have been made. There are calls in part of Kent for a controversial seafront development described as financially reckless to be totally scrapped. More than 300 people have signed a petition against Prince's Parade between Folkestone and Hythe after council bosses paused spending on the project over budget concerns. Now the plans include a leisure centre, houses and commercial properties. It'll be considered by the District Council on Wednesday. This podcast is sponsored by the FG Barnes Group with car dealerships in Canterbury and Maidstone. Now this is one of our most read stories on the website today and at Kent Online you can see pictures of a new surf resort and luxury hotel planned for the Betts Hangar Country Park. The development has been submitted to Dover District Council with a decision due to be made early next year. Planners are hoping to have the inland surfing space which generates artificial waves known as the Sea Hive open by 2025. Well reporter Leanne Castle has been along to find out all about it and she's been speaking to head of Betts Hangar Country Park Stuart O'Leary and consultant Alex Calocote. I think essentially the park um, had inward investment from CEDA in I think it was 2011 yeah. and they they create, essentially created the country park and put the cycling infrastructure in and then the, um, the park was taken over by Hadlow I think in around 2013, um, went into some uh, financial troubles, um, it went into educational administration in around 2018 I believe. And we've since owned the park in, from 2019 onwards, and so we've finished the investment into the, into the business centre here. I think we've put about £2 million into the investment of finishing off here. We've finished off the Kent Mining Museum, obviously the Lamp Room, and, and built the business up to nearly back to into the, into the black, so we're getting there. Yeah. As you can see on a day like today when yeah. it's wet, it's very quiet, so it's, it's kind of some months, not right? You know, yeah. when it's peak and so it's busy, then it's, it's very vibrant. We, we take, obviously, it was in financial turmoil when we took it on, so we've remedied it to a, to a point, but yeah, some months we're doing well, some months we're not good. Yeah, and so these two applications are really the next phase of, of actually bringing more attractions to Betsang Country Park. So, obviously, we'll talk with Jim a little bit more about the Sea High, but you've got the Surf Wellness Resort. Um, and also the hotel, um, looking really to fill a gap in the local market for a high quality hotel. And what that will do is also help make the most of, for example, golf tourism in the area where you've got the Open Championship um, coming here and, and maybe not seeing all the benefits of that um, because of a lack of, of high quality um, hotel accommodation. You know, I do understand it's, it's development on a country park. So with that, obviously, there has been a reaction, which I'm sure you're aware of. You, you covered the protest in your in your last article. 
and we've got the, the friends of Betsanger, um, who've obviously picked upon the fact that there is valuable habitat on the country park. Um, and that does provide some foraging habitat for turtle doves. Uh, it does support notable plant species like lizard orchid, um, and it's also important for invertebrates and, uh, and other species. Um, we've been aware of that from the outset, and actually that's part of our plans. It, it's not development first and that is an afterthought. So what, what we actually have, and I think you can get lost in the thousands of pages of planning application documents, um, but we've set aside uh, just over 11 hectares of the country park and also furthest away from the kind of hub of activity around the car park and the visitor centre. Um, and what that land would become is ecological management, essentially. So we'd have a visitor management plan where we have signage and interpretation. So you start, you start to manage the way people move around the site and they also understand why other habitats on, on the site are important. Um, we'd also be funding through um, the proposals an ecology warden for the park. Uh, which is something that's currently lacking. Finally, we can hear from Jim Storey. He's the CEO and co-founder of Seahive and says surf culture will be at the heart of the project and wants inclusivity to be essential. It's really important that it's an authentic destination, not just a big lump of concrete in the ground, which I think a lot of people think it's going to be. You know, it's, it's going to be deeply rooted in, in surfing and the, and the core value system of surfing and of surf culture. Not everybody will understand what that is yet because not everybody's going to be a surfer yet. But you know, it's it's a super powerful, it's a super powerful value system which I've had for decades and decades, and um, it's it's helped me obviously grieve, make good decisions, get my priorities right, be present with my family, all these all these incredible things. It's taught me um, so authenticity is absolutely front and center of it. Um, inclusivity is is equally important. So. It's, really, it's absolutely crucial that this is a place that can be enjoyed by people of all ages, of all abilities, of all disabilities. Um, it's a safe space. It's a place where people can push boundaries in, in a safe environment. It's where they can make friendships. It's where they can connect with their community. Um, and it's a place where they can experience personal growth you know, in, in, and in, in a way which they otherwise probably wouldn't be able to. Like the sea is not a particularly welcoming environment for children who are certainly unaccompanied, um, people who, 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 str who struggle with or suffer from various different forms of mental and physical disabilities. I've surfed with um, guys who's completely blind at the, uh, the lagoon in, in Bristol. I've surfed with a guy who was paralyzed from the waist down, who was in my session, who surfed better than me. You know, it's, 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 it's powerful. And we're all on, the, we're all on an even keel in, in, in that place. And, and the impacts, the therapeutic impacts absolutely enormous. Well, we'd love to know what you think of the idea. You can leave a comment on the story today or by heading to our socials. There are calls for the speed limit in Ramsgate to be cut to reduce the number of children being hit by cars. Almost 70 youngsters were involved in collisions there in the six years to 2021. That's more than anywhere else in Kent. Campaigners want to see more 20 mile per hour zones put in place. The features on one of the most photographed parts of Canterbury are set to be revealed again after a five-year restoration. A million pounds has been spent on the Christchurch Gate to Canterbury Cathedral. The original features of the Grade 1 listed Tudor Gate have been restored to their former glory. You can see a sneak peek by heading to the website. The price tag for an historic hotel in Tunbridge has been dropped by a million pounds after spending four years on the market. The Rose and Crown on the High Street dates back to the 16th century and has 56 ensuite bedrooms for guests. Estate agents have been unable to find a buyer and have lowered the asking price 
to £2.1 million. A reminder for drivers, part of the M20 is going to be closed overnight this week. It'll be shut coastbound between junctions 7 and 9. That's Detling Hill and Ashford from 9 until 6 in the morning. It's so work can be done to improve the road surface and reduce the risk of skidding. Kent Online reports. A bid's been launched to regenerate the largest retail space in Tunbridge to help boost the high street. The former Beale's store at the Angel Centre has been empty since closing in 2020. Now the local Conservative group wants Sainsbury's, who owned the Headleys, to do something about it. They say it's unacceptable that it's been unused for so long. Supermarket bosses say they're reviewing several options. An historic Kent pub that was gutted by fire has hinted at when it might reopen. The blaze broke out at the 500-year-old Checkers Inn in Aylesford back in May. The owners have been promoting a Black Friday voucher, which can be used at several venues between January and April, and say the venue will be open in time to accept them. Now, this went on the site over the weekend, and a man who once took to socials to blame Kent for mutating COVID and ruining Christmas has now turned his attentions to Sheerness. Phil Carr's TikTok tour of the town has already had more than 145,000 views and 13,000 likes, but he's not exactly complimentary. This is it then. This is Sheerness. You can see the warning signs everywhere. It is clear it is a town that is rife with disorder and riot. You can see from these images how unlawful the atmosphere is here. Of course it's got a docks. All crime capitals have a docks. Just look at any mafia film. I don't know what's on that ship. I'm guessing drugs hidden somewhere. It does have a Weatherspoons. And of course it's got an Iceland, but you'd already guessed that. There is no branch of the LIDL, but there is a branch of the lawlessness continues at the seafront. There are even rules for collecting shellfish. You can't take more than five kilograms. You can only collect certain types and you can't exchange them for money, products or services. That sounds a little bit seedy. However, there is one thing he praises in Bluetown. Does Sheerness have any redeeming features? Well, yes, this concrete garden ornament store. I quite like it. It's impressive. Yes, it reminds me of that scene in The Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe but it's mesmerising. I think we've finally found something Kent is good at. Concrete garden ornaments. Well done, Kent. Keep going with it. Well, to talk more about this, Sheppy resident and reporter John Nerdon joins me now. So, John, a rather scathing review. Just tell us about some of the criticism that stood out for you. Mr Carr accuses Sheerness of being the most dangerous place in the southeast. He shows a picture of a shop selling rifles in its window, lingers on the moody mermaid mule of the American bombship that Richard Montgomery suggests that the docks are a drug den, and then says, most people think of the Isle of Sheppey as a prison colony, and then adds, but it's far worse than that. And how are people on Sheppey reacting to it? Since time began, Sheppy seems to have been the butt of the jokes for just about everyone on the mainland. Hey, even many Kent Pantos wouldn't be complete without the Sheppy joke. So Islanders have become a little bit immune, although nowadays they are beginning to resent the almost daily attacks. And to be honest, they're quite proud of their little island. Andrew Whelan, who runs what we call the Gnome Factory, is typical. He enjoyed the plug at the end of the rant, but said he hated the rest of it. And some people I talked to wouldn't even comment in case it gave Mr Carr the oxygen of publicity. 
So the chair of the Sheerness Town Council didn't want to comment, but says people who live there know the truth. The video is rather tongue-in-cheek, but John, as someone who lives there, did you find his review disappointing at all? Disappointing? Uh, well, more like a wasted opportunity. Sheerness can seem uh, a little grubby at times, but like the rest of Sheppey, it has a heart of pure gold. No other place I've been to has such a strong community spirit. John, thank you very much. Again, you can let us know what you think and you can watch the review in full by heading to the Sheppey pages of the site and commenting as well on the story. Kent Online reports. Residents in part of Medway say potholes are causing major disruption on the only road in and out of their village. The damaged surface on the Stoll Railway Bridge has caused traffic chaos and damage to cars. It connects the Isle of Grain to the rest of the Hoo Peninsula. Council bosses say they're working on a solution which will allow them to close the bridge for full repair work. A medieval ring found by a metal detectorist in Ashford has been confirmed as treasure. It's thought the piece of jewellery could date back to the 1200s. The golden gem ring was found two years ago on land to the south of the town and Ashford Museum are hoping they can put it on display. Now, our sister radio station KMFM has collected an incredible amount of toys to give to children at this Christmas. The gifts will be taken to youngsters in care and hospitals ahead of the festive season and a Folkestone toy company have gone involved by making a huge donation. Here's more from KMFM Breakfast with Gary and Chelsea. We want to say a massive, massive thank you to you if you've been involved in any way, shape or form without Give a Gift Toy Appeal. It might be that you couldn't afford, quite frankly, to give a gift this year. But what you did, you went on and you shared our social yeah. posts and you spread the word for us. We really do appreciate you doing that. And maybe you did put a couple of quid, maybe a few of you got together, as we've heard people doing, to get something a bit bigger. We just know that you've been amazing this year for our Toy Appeal and we have collected hundreds and indeed thousands. It's so inspiring. It really is. Uh, to deliver to young people who'd be spending Christmas in hospital or in care. And we have one final massive thank you to do as well. So very exciting. We got, well, we got so excited when the palette arrived yeah. with all of these toys. It's incredible. From the one and only Sam Island, who's operations director at Big Jigs in Folkestone. Hello, hello. Good morning. Uh, so Sam, um, now you've helped us out at Big Jigs before. Um, tell us a bit about Big Jigs first of all and Big Jig Toys. Uh, so Big Jigs Toys is a family run business started by my mum and dad in a garden shed 37 years ago. Uh, wow. making Yeah, making puzzles out of floorboards. Uh, and today we design, manufacture and sell toys uh, around the world into, into more than 100 countries uh, and into retailers up and down the high street from toy shops to, to Hamleys and John Lewis at the top of the tree. Oh, amazing. That's and, so inspiring. And the fact that you've got time at this time of year to, to, to not only get involved, <laughs> yeah. but to come here personally to deliver this massive, like you say, a whole pallet, a stack, so a humongous pile of toys. Uh, what kind of things have you got on there, Sam? Uh, we've got all sorts. We've got some train sets. We've got some fidget toys. We've got puzzles. We've got games. We've got educational toys. Um, yeah, a whole range of a range of stuff from, from newborn up to sort of eight or nine so uh yeah a wide a wide selection for you amazing yeah you've literally covered every corner like no kid is gonna go no missed with all of these epic toys they actually brought a few in with us now i'm playing with one of these uh, fidget spinners which is just well like a squishy 
fidget situation and I'm obsessed. I'm not going to stop. I'm, I'm going to have to buy one. Yeah, I've, I've, I've got a, I've got a donut that you've given us. So these, these squishy things are big this year, right? Yeah, massive. Yeah, Nido balls, Nido fidgets, uh, fidget toys, the donuts, the, the Poppums, the Atomics. Yeah, they're, they're all the rage. Oh, all oh, the names. It's great the to be a kid again. And Atomics, amazing. <laughs> they're... Oh, that's... Oh, that's listen that's to that. that. Great noise, yeah. Does I make... Oh, you can't hear no, it, so. No, no, you weren't giving it <laughs> but enough But it feels worthy. like a snowball, this one. Yeah? It's very impressive. Oh, I well, might throw it at you. Okay, well, I'll feel your snowballs <laughs> later. But what made you want to get involved again this year? Oh, it's just something we, we like to get involved with every Christmas. There's people out there who aren't, a, aren't as fortunate as us, um, and we're, you know, we're in a fortunate position where we're able to, able to help. Um, and your, you know, your campaign has been uh, has been a great campaign for a number of years, and, and something we enjoy getting involved with. Oh, wow, um, it's as, wow. as simple as that, really. Yeah, well, we can't thank you enough. We really, really can't. And uh, like I say, especially this time of year when we know you're so busy, yeah, not only the kindness ever. of donating the toys and the gifts that you have, uh, but giving us your time, yeah. it, we really massively appreciate it. And uh, well, thank you very much. That's, yeah, uh, thank you Sam. so much for taking this time and yeah, getting involved with something that's so important to us, um, and especially this time of year with everything going on. Yeah, um, it's going to make a bigger impact than ever. I think. Yeah, it's really going to change some uh, kids' Christmases mm. this year. So Sam from Big Jigs Toys in Folkestone, thank you very much and Merry Christmas no you too thank you very much and also on KMFM Pink has made it three weeks at number one on the Kentop 40 with Never Gonna Not Dance Again Taylor Swift moved up one place to number two with Antihero while Lewis Capaldi dropped to three with Forget Me Alex and Numi are back with the chart next Sunday Kent Online Sports Football and Gillingham will be in the draw for the third round of the FA Cup tonight, but they'll still need to win a second round replay against Dagenham and Redbridge after drawing one all on Saturday. Manager Neil Harris spoke after that match. The important thing is to be in the draw. That's the most important thing. Um, last thing we need was a replay. That was the 20th game today this season. That's a joke. 20, so, so the time we play the replay, it'll be our 30th game. You know, the first, first yeah, of I, December. I, I didn't want to mention which, the replay, yeah, but that's what, that's which, what we've got. Which we could really do without, to be honest, as a group. Um, did we deserve to have a replay? I'm not sure about that. I thought Dagenham were a better team today. Um, first half, I thought was even. Um, second half, I thought uh, I thought we were poor quality, really poor quality at times. Um, and, and, and Dagenham has done a bit of pressure. Didn't create loads, but pressure in, in a couple of times in both boxes. We had a couple of penalties. I think one was certainly handball. Um, but when when you go behind with seven minutes to go, you do you do feel it. There might be nothing to come back. So um, yeah, probably. Relieved to be in the hat, uh, pleased to be in the hat. You know, look, everyone can look forward to the draw, enjoy that on, on Monday evening. Um, but certainly a game we could have done without. Well, ironically, it was the, probably our best bit of quality over the 94 minutes that got us the equaliser. Jordan Green come on in the projection of pace and Cashy's gambled and, and, and stuck it away. Yeah, it's probably Cashy about he spends too much of his time outside the penalty area for me. Um, I, I'm, I'm pleased the guys came on, had an impact. Um, even Hakeem for the last sort of seven, eight minutes had an impact when he come on um, uh, uh, right back. Um, yeah, it, it took us to go a goal behind it. Well, actually, it took us to 75 minutes to, to really get going in the second half, and that's, that's not really acceptable. Um, lower league team at it a bit more than us. Um, I think so today at times. Um, thought they outbattled us a couple of times, uh, which was disappointing. Um, but we, we, we hung in there and we dug in and we were in, we were in the draw. Absolutely, which takes place on um, Monday evening. Any preference on who you get? I suppose you want to be at home, don't you? 
Yeah, home game. Yeah, home game uh, in the cup. Yeah, we've been to Brentford and won, and we're going to Wolves. Um, so we want a home game for sure. Um, and, and if you're going to be in the third round and you want to play a home game against a Premier League team, if not, it's a waste of time. Now, the third round of the competition sees Premier League and Championship teams enter. Unfortunately, Ebb's Fleet won't be included as they lost 1-0 to Fleetwood Town yesterday. For details of the draw after it's made, do head to the sports pages of Kent Online. That's all from us for today. Thanks ever so much for listening. Don't forget, you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram and TikTok. You can also get an update of the top stories direct to your email each morning via the briefing. To sign up to that, just head to Kent Online. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast. This podcast is sponsored by the FG Barnes Group, with showrooms in Canterbury and Maidstone, offering a range of new and approved used cars, including MG, Seat and Vauxhall.